What's the hardest thing about being a teenager? Is it the peer pressure to do drugs? The pressures to fit in with cool kids? The awkwardness of school crushes? For me, it was probably the hours of practice to become a solid gold dancer as a career. <laughs> you alone in your bedroom, right in your mirror. <laughs> the things that mirror could tell. <laughs> well, what about you? Oh, you know, I just had your crippling anxiety caused by persistent acne and the relentless bullying of classmates who teased me for having a waterbed in the eighth grade. Where's the after-school special about the threat waterbeds pose to teenagers? Oh, get out. I'm telling you, that waterbed was a comfortable, warm hug. <laughs> Keep telling your back that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but after-school specials weren't the only dramas about teens. Primetime TV movies from the 70s to the 90s gave us a host of teenagers in peril stories to make teenagers afraid of everything from alcohol to drugs to maniacal cheerleaders. Yep, today we're talking made-for-TV movies for troubled teenage audiences. That's right, so grab your pom-poms. Oh, I'm grabbing my pom-poms right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's begin. Welcome to the Pop Trash Podcast. I'm Eric Griggs. And I'm Mike Jones. Each episode, we take a pop topic and trash talk it but with love, of course. And love, well, each night I ask the stars up above, why must I be a teenager in love? <laughs> <laughs> Going all the way back to 1959 with that one. <laughs> Even my parents were teenagers back then. <laughs> well, that's very appropriate because today we're exploring TV movies about troubled teens. Oh, and so Eric, I have a question for you. If you could go back in time to relive your teenage years again, would you do it? Um, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> could I be someone else? You cannot go back in time to be Michael J. Fox. Exactly. <laughs> well, they were good years, I would say. So I probably would go back to relive it. It is nice to reflect and think about being a teenager again. I don't know if I would want to do the day-to-day -day things like homework and trying to fit in with friends and doing all those sorts of things. What about you? How, would, would you want to relive your teenage years? Um, I would go back in time. The thing I'm probably the most anxious about is how fast time goes by. And so if I could go back in time to relive and get, you know, 30 years of my life back uh, to experience again, I would do it in a heartbeat. And watching these TV movies, so we watched a bunch of TV movies about teenagers for today, I... To be honest with you, in terms of all of the movies we watched, I enjoyed these probably the most of anything we've watched this season because it made me nostalgic for parts of my life where you could see pieces of it in the things that we're watching today from the way that like schools ran to the way you hung out with your friends to the way your parents treated you all that kind of stuff. Would you say you were a troubled teen? <laughs> well, like in hindsight, there really wasn't all that much scary about growing up in suburban Pennsylvania. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know, to like create the level of fear and anxiety that we all were told to have about all of these things. Yeah, the most dangerous gang was like the chorus group at high school. <laughs> <laughs> Signing up for musical theater. Ooh, don't do it. <laughs> 
I know, but that's that's what's kind of funny in hindsight as well, where it's like, I remember so much of the 80s being drilled. Like, it, it, <laughs> I don't remember being drilled. <laughs> no, do, do you want to rephrase that? <laughs> I guess you were a trouble team. <laughs> no, what I remember being drilled into our brains was the say no to drugs, the dare, the Nancy Reagan, the fried egg cooking that was your brain on drugs, and all mm. of these things. And now I just think, like, what in the world were people thinking that that type of education would work one and two watching it back now, 40 years later, 35 years later, how camp is some of this stuff? Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, while we won't be going back in time ourselves, we are going back today to look at a few of the defining TV movie dramas that were geared toward these troubled teens. And all of the TV movies we're talking about today became either ratings blockbusters in real time or cultural phenomena over the years because of how camp and classic they are. So, you know, if you thought it was tough for Linda Blair to be possessed by demons in The Exorcist, wait until you see what a bottle of scotch does to her in 1975's Sarah T, Portrait of a Teenage Alcoholic. Then it's time to see if Diana Scarwood can prevent Helen Hunt from snorting angel dust in 1982's Desperate Lives. And lastly, we'll head to 1994 to see what kind of troubled cheerleaders can get into in either A Friend to Die For or, its more popular name, Death of a Cheerleader. Hey, Eric, know what a cheerleader drinks before the big game? Well, if it's Sarah T, a fifth of scotch. (laughs) (laughs) Sadly, no, they drink root beer. (laughs) I'm not rooting for that joke. So I poured myself a stiff drink and I'm ready to get into our first movie. Mike, what is it? (laughs) I hope it was a mocktail because the first movie is Linda Blair's 1975 Sarah T. Portrait of a Teenage Alcoholic. (laughs) And I like the way they kept her name anonymous. Yes, Sarah T. Yes, the T is her last name. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you think she's related to Mr. T? (laughs) Something tells me no. I don't know. I pity the fool drinking this much alcohol, though. Oh. (laughs) What is this movie about, Mike? All right. Uh, So Linda Blair, fresh off of uh, her Oscar-nominated turn in The Exorcist just a year or two earlier, became kind of a TV movie queen in the mid-1970s. Yeah. So this was one of uh, two movies that she did, and it was on NBC called Sarah T, Portrait of a Teenage Alcoholic, and she is essentially a 14-year-old, 15-year-old who gets addicted to the sauce and will go to any length to drink and drink more and drink more. You watch her just spiral downward as she gets more and more and more addicted and then finally see some level of salvation in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Does that sound about right? That sounds good. And and I will say Linda Blair had a very difficult decade, as you noted. She was possessed by a demon. She becomes an alcoholic. She's abused in juvenile prison. And then her mother wouldn't let her enter the roller boogie contest. I mean, it was just <laughs> nonstop. Oh, yes. What was that? Nineteen? That's a 1979 movie. Roller Disco? What is it? You... Roller Boogie. Roller Boogie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, a powerhouse decade for her. I will say... 
you know, I actually quite enjoyed this movie. <laughs> I did too. I think it might have been one of the best ones we've we've watched this season on TV movies. I don't know if it's the fashion, if it's the acting, if it's the the camp. Maybe it might be all three of those to combine. Yeah. But there's something somewhat fun about watching this, and I actually think Linda Blair does a really good job of, perf- of portraying a teenage alcoholic. Again, it is a bit comical watching this now, 47, 48 years later. But she actually is quite entertaining. You couldn't take your eyes off of her when she's on screen Mm -hmm. as she spirals. And I thought that was like just kind of a treat, to be honest with you. I mean, this movie is so it just bashes you over the head with like, be careful, teenagers. One sip of scotch is going to ruin your (laughs) lives. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And and maybe part of the quality is it was directed by a, a young Richard Donner who would go on after this to direct Superman, the movie. I mean, you can kind of see the quality in the cinematography, the filmmaking, but the subject matter is, yes, very after-school special. But it's kind of like this side of after-school special. It definitely feels like a film, right? Oh, yeah. It's definitely a... I mean, it feels like a primetime film that... Because it was probably too serious. Well, I don't want to say serious. Maybe too scandalous for an an after-school special because you Mm -hmm. actually see a teenager drinking. I mean, not literally, but right, it's portrayed. And I don't think you could actually get away with that all the time at like 3 p.m. in the afternoon. So mm-hmm. for this, mm-hmm. you know, to do this, I think they had to air at a prime time. Um, but you mentioned it directed by Richard Donner, who it's funny, you know him from Superman. I know him from the Lethal Weapon movies. I mean, lots and lots of movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Linda Blair basically pulls all stops to drink. She she mm-hmm. she basically orders delivery. <laughs> it's like the drizzly <laughs> of 1975. It really is. There are so many scenes where she orders alcohol and she gets away with it by being like, my mom's just in the shower until it doesn't work. <laughs> but I just love like that setup, uh, which is really funny. My mom's in the shower and then there's another one where so part of the other thing that they do in this movie which is actually a staple in a lot of our movies today and i think just a staple of a lot of teenage movies from the 70s 80s and 90s linda blair's parents are divorced sarah's parents are divorced Mm -hmm. and they almost make it seem like oh well the divorce pushed our daughter to drink which is kind of a heavy-handed and like oft-used cliche but did you clock who her her father is i'm sure you did oh absolutely larry (laughs) larry hagman (laughs) and he's kind of that absentee father i loved how when the tables were turned and they're with the therapist and the mom is like i guess i'm a terrible mom yes you can have custody and he's like well hold on a minute (laughs) (laughs) there's a couple other famous people that are in here that are well worth saying i know you're gonna go to the one massively famous but before we do can we do her stepfather first? Oh, yes. I, I it, like immediately I ran to IMDb because I didn't recognize his face. But I'm like, oh, hello. That is Kit from Knight Rider. Ugh. I would say Boy Meets World. What? <laughs> well, this is how I know we straddle two generations. Though. It's <laughs> William Daniels, the actor. He was Mr. Feeney on Boy Meets World. Kit from a Knight Rider, of course. Uh, and yeah, shows up as Sarah T's stepfather in in this TV movie. It was like instant. I was like the voice I know. And there's another person we're going to talk about today that I recognized by voice more than their actual appearance. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. And probably the biggest star became the biggest star from this movie um, because he was in probably the biggest movie franchise in the history of all movies. Who plays her boyfriend? I know you love him. That is none other than Mr. Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill in what I think had to have been one of his first TV appearances, first film appearances. Um, he's such a baby face in this. Like I, Luke Skywalker's a baby face, but he's really young in this. Yeah, 
He's very young. I think this was before Star Wars. It was, right? yeah. Star Wars is what, 76, 77? 77, yeah. So this would have been a couple years just before he he kind of rocketed into the stratosphere and, and nerd them. Nerd them. Um, he plays Sarah's boyfriend, I guess, but he's blamed for bringing alcohol into Sarah T's life. <laughs> right. So I know it is not intended to be funny, but basically in, in what I guess is kind of like the penultimate scene, Linda Blair's character really spirals. She's like craving any drop of liquor she can find. She gets quite sauced. And Mark Hamill's character uh, owns a horse and she basically steals the horse and rides it into a highway full of traffic. (laughs) And the horse gets hit by a car and then they have to shoot it. And it's just like, oh my God. See kids, that's what booze will do to you. I did not have that on my bingo card when that (laughs) happened in the movie. I was like, what? I mean, when I'm drunk, I can barely walk down the street. She stayed on that horse for quite a while. (laughs) I'm not saying Sarah T would win the Kentucky Derby, but I bet she wouldn't finish last. (laughs) But that is ultimately like what kind of like the movie ends with her essentially being like, wow, I can't believe I did that. I should get help. I will say that I thought Linda Blair did a great job as Sarah Long Island Ice Tea. And um, (laughs) she's a great actress or, or was a great actress as a kid. And like a lot of teen actors just could not pull off some of the roles that she did. Oh, totally. I mean, they gave her... So the things she had to do in this movie are are fairly out of control, and that's why I think they read as camp today. The Exorcist, mm-hmm. my goodness, what a tour de force, but also kind of camp as well. She had to do stuff that like most teenage actors never get asked to do. Well, we always talk about when this aired. There's actually not a ton of ratings available for this because uh, it aired basically sort of almost too early to get great ratings details. But it was February 11th, 1975. Um, you know, again, it's part of a huge legacy of Linda Blair TV movies that garnered a bunch of attention. But this was funny because it became a cult classic throughout the years in large part um, because of the Shout Factory, which has been kind Mm -hmm. of like a great way of bringing back like retro sort of TV movies and B movies from the 70s, 80s. Uh, So over the last like decade or two, the Shout Factory really got behind, you know, its audience basically just got behind this movie and basically made it really a kind of a camp classic. Well, now let's turn our attention to 1982's Desperate Lives. Ooh, I like that title. Mike, what is this one about? Uh, it's about my dating life as a teenager. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I will say, it's hard to watch this movie. We had to both get DVD copies of it, um, but you might be able to find some clips on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's actually about, a, I guess, a teacher, a guidance counselor played by Diana Scarwood, who comes into a school that is just overrun with teenagers on drugs and the desperate lives refers to all of these teenagers ruining their lives by rampant drug use. Uh, And so you basically watch a high school in peril as one student after another student, and in particular one family, just gets obliterated by drug usage. 
It's very preachy. She's the new teacher on the block. She's coming in. The old guard is just like, yeah, drugs, whatever. This was like when we mentioned in the intro, like the 1980s wanted you to be afraid of drugs. Like this is the poster child for that. It's it's basically portrays the most like middle class high school just ruined by drugs. Yeah. To the point where they're making drugs in the science lab. Exactly. It was just like so heavy handed around like, oh my God, what could drug usage do to you? Watch this movie. And and the writer of this, um, Nancy Reagan. Most <laughs> she did not know. write this. <laughs> <laughs> but you would think, I mean, it's basically like Nancy Reagan's fever dream. No, I'm going to just say no to that. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned we should start with Diana Scarwood, and she's one of my favorites. Of yes. course, you know why. Well, Mommy Dearest, right? Yeah, she's Christina Crawford, the adult Christina in Mommy Dearest. She shows up in so many things. Um, I just saw her in the uh, Brooke Shields' Brenda Starr. <laughs> but she's also in like What Lies Beneath and Silkwood. She's got tons of acting credits, and and she's she's a great actress. I think she she really holds it together, even though I think she knows this is like very over the top material oh yeah i mean that scene where she has to basically she takes all the drugs that she can find and like <laughs> lights them on fire yeah. in front of the entire school it's like oh my god you know it's coming the dramatic pep assembly bring the kids together and give an impassioned speech you, you just it, it's there it's there for the taking well, of course, Diana Scarwood's one star. The other star that I think you have to say when you say this movie, because it has now become like a meme, is Academy Award winner Helen Hunt. Yes, the, everyone will know this movie as the movie where Helen Hunt jumps out a window. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite scene in the entire movie. Um, she goes to see what I guess is her boyfriend in science mm -hmm. class. Um, and he is making drugs, making <laughs> angel dust. But yeah, they get Helen Hunt's character to snort this angel dust. And then what happens is she loses her mind and jumps out of a window, falls probably three floors or three stories down to the grass. It is absolutely bananas. It is one of the most camp scenes you could possibly imagine. And my favorite thing is Helen Hunt. She hosted SNL in 1994 and they played a clip of this and she goes, you know, I could never really tell if that movie was pro-Angel Dust or anti-Angel Dust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's like everybody's on drugs. So your two choices are scream into the abyss or just let everybody do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's another star I want to talk about, though, who's not in this, but uh, plays a bit of a hand in in the movie because he, he recorded the theme song. Did you catch who did that? Oh, I did. The Desperate Lives theme song is by <laughs> Mr. Rick Springfield. Soap opera star and Jesse's girl crooner himself. <laughs> yes, it's not Laura Branigan's Hollywood Wives. This is Rick Springfield's Desperate, Desperate Lives. Lives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like just the send up it gives with this theme song, like playing in the background as it sort of introduces you to this high school full of like hooligans on drugs. I just really enjoyed it. I was like, oh, this is going to be a camp treasure to walk through. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, I didn't love it as much as Sarah T, um, Portrait oh, of a no, Teenage Alcoholic, yeah. but I did like it and get why so many scenes like the Helen Hunt falling out of the, the, the window or Diana Scarwood setting drugs on fire. Like, I get why those become sort of like classic camp, like 80s uh, teen movie sort of nostalgia. 
there's a great review of this. Um, oh, I wish I could remember the website, but the line I wrote down from it was, it's like if a bunch of 1980s guidance counselors tried to write an episode of HBO's Euphoria. <laughs> like, it's just like... Oh my gosh, that's perfect. <laughs> this is like like workshopped at a guidance counselor convention. <laughs> what I imagine in the, in the early 1980s, people with good intentions thought like, oh, this will land. And clearly it did not. Mm-hmm. You know, what's funny about this movie, though, is like it it was it also, you know, much like the Shout Factory had a, a hand in making Sarah T portrait of a teenage alcoholic, a camp classic. This also didn't really become a camp classic until much later. Um, and that's because of Keyboard Cat. So Keyboard Cat, this was basically dubbed the funniest video on the Internet where they basically have Keyboard Cat, who, if folks don't remember, early YouTube days is like that fat cat. His name was literally Fatso, I think, who played the keyboard. (laughs) And basically it's like Keyboard Cat sends off Helen Hunt. And so they show the scene of Helen Hunt doing the angel dust and flying out the window while Keyboard Cat does his thing on the keys. And then that brings us to, you know, we always talk about when this aired. So March 3rd, 1982, uh, it was 53rd in the rating. So again, that goes to the point of it wasn't like a blockbuster hit. Then came a camp classic later. It lost to two TV shows that I'm guessing you watched uh, possibly even in real time. <laughs> the first is The Fall Guy. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the episode was called The Snow Job, which I don't know, but I do like the title. Ironic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> and then it also lost to an episode of The Facts of Life called New York, New York, where Joe and Blair go to New York City. <laughs> and do some Edna's edibles. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Nancy Reagan. (laughs) All right, and the third movie, we're heading to 1994, uh, and we're going to talk about, it's called Two Names, A Friend to Die For, but we're going to call it what it's known as now, Death of a Cheerleader. Eric, can you tell us all about Death of a Cheerleader? Yes, and said cheerleader is Stacy Lockwood, played by Tori Spelling, who is murdered. She is kind of the popular girl at high school that kind of takes it out on all the other girls, and she is stabbed to death. That's basically what you need to know. Um, We also follow a a girl uh, at the school named Angela and the group of girls that surround Stacy in the cheerleading squad, the ones that were not on the cheerleading squad and not popular. Um, And it is based on a true life story. What did you think of Death of a Cheerleader, Mike? Um, I enjoyed it. uh, This is also... um... One of those things where it's like, I'm sure that the story itself is a very tragic story for a particular family because it's based on real events. Um, But the movie itself is extremely camp. Mm -hmm. And, and, And so, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you watch this now and it almost feels a bit like um like it almost feels a bit like a comedy which i know in real time it probably couldn't have been but it's i i really enjoyed this and i actually thought that like tori spelling's stacy her character stacy was good but to be honest with you stacy's mom had it going on <laughs> stacy's mom who was <laughs> valerie harper there were a number of folks who who appeared in this that i thought were interesting so you have the two main characters are tori spelling stacy the popular cheerleader 
Angela Kelly Martin from Life Goes On, eventually ER. Um, she's, you know, the other main character. But then you had some other actors in this who I thought were really interesting. You had the, the dad from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, James Avery. Um, there was Valerie Harper. And then there was the guy from Lost is the principal, Terry O'Quinn. You mentioned Kelly Martin was yeah. Angela and she was on all those shows, which I did not watch any of them. She is the second person I recognize this episode by voice. And I was like, who is this actress? She looks familiar, but she sounds more familiar. And I looked it up and yep, she was Daphne on a pup named Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> she did a great job. Some of my favorite parts were like the plaintive piano music over Angela telling her sister about her dreams. And like everybody in her life was like, maybe aim lower. <laughs> I know. That was, well, because Kelly Martin, basically her character, Angela, is this like the quote unquote good girl, right? She attends Catholic mass every week. Mm -hmm. She's got great grades right. and she She's just totally falls in love or is basically like infatuated with the popularity of Tori Spelling Stacy, who is like the, the quote unquote bitchy cheerleader, but the girl that everybody thinks just runs the whole entire show. She definitely wants to be her, wants to be like her, wants to be popular. So you definitely enter this TV movie from that world of being a kid and understanding that's what it was like trying to jockey to be in the popular group. And she's kind of frumpy and like she's trying too hard and she's not good at chorus. Looking back, I'm like, the things that you wear and the things that you do as a teen that don't help you become more popular. You can see them crystal clear as an adult. Like, like I wore a lot of turtlenecks and vests. That didn't help, you know? <laughs> you still wear a lot of turtlenecks. No, and, and they still don't help. <laughs> My favorite thing of this movie, though, is uh, for a good probably 50% of it, they make everyone think that the goth girl... Uh, was the one who killed Tori Stelling, Spelling, Stacy character. Yes. Um, there's a scene where the goth girl, the, the cool kids, tells her to run along. Or like, oh, here comes the witch. Run along. And she, the goth girl goes, I don't need a broom to fly away from you, you bitch. <laughs> it's so good. My other favorite scene was her sister, who is the lady on Scrubs and um, the Drew Carey oh show. Oh, my God. Think, if you're, right? You might have written down the same scene. Does it involve a cucumber? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she picks um, Angela up from somewhere and she's like, do you want a slice of cucumber? And she has this giant knife and a cucumber. But later, obviously, that's the murder weapon. Yes. She gets stabbed with yes. this knife. So, you know, at that point, like, oh, I get it. That's where this is coming from. But the best part is Angela is in the car with Tori Spelling and she's like, what the heck is with this big knife in your car? And, and she's like, oh, sometimes my sister packs lunch in the car. <laughs> it's just so funny. But like that scene, so oh, it just cracked me up. It just cracked me up. But I will say like, even though this movie is very camp, I it to me of all of the movies that we talked about today, at least is the closest to nailing down the anxiety of navigating like popularity. There's a scene where Kelly Martin's Angela tries out to become a cheerleader and she doesn't make the, the squad. And she's just so dejected by it as like a sign that she's never going to be popular. Stacy's never going to like her. And I remember thinking in sixth grade, I tried out for the basketball team and then 
like two or three days later, they wrote the names down of the people who made it and taped it to the principal's office window. And so you knew that's how they were announcing it. So you ran, you were so excited waking up like, you know, on Thursday morning to run to the principal's office door. And then when you didn't see your name on the list, I remember walking away from that just being like, oh God, well, I guess my life is over. (laughs) (laughs) You as a teen just never think you're popular enough. I, I, I definitely bounced between, I was a lonely, depressed art student. So like I bounced between a lot of different cliques at school and never really kind of found my group. And there always seemed to be those kids looking back and Joke's on them because they're never the most popular in adulthood. They kind of shine. (laughs) That's their moment and then it's over. (laughs) Do you think this movie was popular? I'm going to say yes. It was entering that era of some of the other TV movies that we've watched, like the the murderous mom and all of that. It was the most popular popular TV movie of the entire year. So 1994, not a single TV movie was more watched than this, which I think totally makes sense because this has, even though it's very campy, a true crime element. And I think this is sort of the beginning of the true crime explosion in in culture. And so I'm not surprised at all. It was, yeah, it was the, the most watched TV movie of 1994. It aired on September 26th. Uh, it was the fifth most watched program of the week beating everything else in its time slot, including Monday Night Football. So imagine that. All right, before we wrap up, you know, it's actually been a few episodes since we did a quiz. I know how much you love quizzes, Eric. (laughs) Oh, I've I've been so troubled as a teen, troubled that we haven't had a quiz. But I figure there were so many TV movies from the 70s, 80s, 90s that touched on some variation of the quote unquote troubled teenagers that we couldn't cover them all. So maybe we'll just add a few into this quiz here so we can talk a little bit about some of them. So are you ready for a few questions? Never been more ready. I've got my turtleneck and my vest on. I'm ready. (laughs) And your angel dust and a nice glass (laughs) of scotch. (laughs) Locked and loaded. (laughs) All right. First question. What father-son acting duo starred in a 1982 made-for-TV movie about a teenage delinquent who goes on a drunken joyride, but then is left in jail overnight by his parents in the hope that he might learn a lesson from it. Oh, um, Alan Thicke and Robin Thicke. No, but that's a great guess. See, normally your guesses are like ridiculous, like Mae West and her stepson. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez in his first oh. ever acting role. It was a movie called In the Custody of Strangers. Was that before Project Alf or after Project Alf? It was Alf? definitely before <laughs> Martin Sheen and Project Alf. <laughs> All right, second question. Which two-time Oscar-winning actress starred in a 1996 movie called Terror in the Family as a teenage daughter whose rebellious temperament eventually erupts into violence? Jodie Foster. No, you're getting warmer at least. I'll give it to you. It was Hilary Swank. You're like, I'll give it to you. You're completely wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. This one you might get. I actually feel like pretty confident you're going to get this one. 
No, it's good somebody does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which cast member of the Brady Bunch starred in the 1976 TV movie Dawn? Portrait of a Teenage Runaway. Oh, I know this one. It is Eve Plum. I knew, yeah, I knew you did this one. <laughs> sure, Jan. <laughs> but yes, Eve Plum, look at you. You can't get a Brady Bunch question wrong. You're just too well versed. Oh, no, absolutely not. All right, last question. The tagline for this 1970 movie called Survival of Dana was Class of 1980, they're majoring in vandalism and violence. Dana will do anything to belong to this gang to survive. And it starred Melissa Sue Anderson as the titular Dana, Melissa Sue Anderson from Little House on the Prairie, but another famous TV mom starred as Dana's grandmother. Can you guess a famous TV mom from the 1970s that was Dana's grandmother? Marion Ross. You are right. I have no idea if you knew that, but it was absolutely Marion Ross. I think that's probably a good guess on your part because you know how much I love to bring up Marion Ross on this. I had a sense. <laughs> it, it, it was Marion Ross all along. See, now you're going to listen to this podcast and it's going to be a happy day. Oh, happy days. <laughs> <laughs> I got one right. <laughs> Well, this podcast has reached the end of its awkward adolescence. It's now time to sign off and become miserable adults. Well, that's why I took up drinking. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with one last episode this season, catching up with all the TV movies we did not get a chance to cover. Thanks for listening. If you still want more Troubled Teens content, head over to poptrashmuseum.com and read a new article by Tim Parks about his top five picks from this genre. You can also dig up a treasure trove of pop culture articles there too. And you can of course find us on that garbage heap we call social media. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And hey, if you have a spare moment or you need to build back up some karma from being a terrible teenager, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, may all your teens stay away from windows and chemistry class. <laughs> Wait, isn't that your rap name? Bust a window? More like bust a recliner. <laughs> <laughs>